Hello and welcome to So Farscape. A fun-filled Farscape fan cast by a fervent fan. And a frankly fascinated first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And, and this, this is, is the story So Farscape. Whoa, we timed it perfectly. We did. It, we, it usually, we usually do. There's usually a bit of variability, but I think we absolutely nailed the ending this <laughs> and time. And then we ruined it by talking over it. Hey! Uh, <laughs> So, yes, welcome for episode 405, Promises. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the entirety of I've the... been, like, writing my pen dry for, like, every time getting the <laughs> titles know. of these shows written down on the top of my note sheet every week. And, uh, but, no, it's just Promises. <laughs> yes, I was... I'd so been looking forward to telling you about that. Because we usually sit down and, and what's this one called? And I said, this one's called Promises. Yeah. And then nothing followed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, could have, it would have been an entirely different title if it's called Promises, Promises. Ooh, yes, good point. Which would not have been like out of the, out of place either. But the word did come up a fair few times, didn't it? Good point. Yeah, yeah. so was a, lot, a lot of promises were being demanded from people. Promise me something. You promise me. Promise you what? You promise me. I don't care about your promises. I made a promise. Honor that promise. You have to promise. A promise. Promise. If it delivers on its promise, Panara, you've got a medal. Hey, let me tell you some stuff about this episode that we All don't right. usually do. Go for it. Okay, this was written by Richard Manning, Ricky Manning. Wow, I have, I have his full name down here as Richard Manning. No, mm-hmm. Ricky Manning, a.k.a. Frunium, and it was directed by Jeff Bennett, which is a name we haven't heard before. He's, okay. a, he's a first-timer. He's a, a prolific Australian director on, like, Home and Away, Water Rats, which... Ooh, Again, at one point featured Gigi Edgeley, but I'm not sure whether that was during his uh, his tenure. Okay, and apparently, like Andrew Prowse, a, a director and show producer, had been trying to get him to do an episode of Farscape for ages because he thought he'd love it. And apparently, like it, he took to it like a duck to water. Okay. So he did like it. So he's, the way you were building that sentence said, like, yeah, no. was, I was expecting him to go, like, and he absolutely hated every minute of it. It was quite the opposite, as, yeah. we, as we can see here. And, like, for, it, was, it was entirely mutual. Like, David Kemper was talking about it. Like, yeah, imagine coming in in season four of an established show uh-huh. that has reached heights of popularity in, in America and then coming in as a newbie and just fitting right in and, in fact, having to be reeled back a little. <laughs> like, yeah, no, no, no. You don't get to play with that no, plotline. not to- quite that dark, please. Let's just ease it off. Yeah, but that, he had a lot of fun, as did the production designer, Tim Ferrier. He mentioned that this was just nice. After, after doing a Lava Planet... Mm-hmm. Doing a sort of holographic squid environment was nice. Oh, it was a squid? Yeah. The, okay. So, wow, we're really jumping ahead. Uh, pardon me. The sort of design of the Lukaithian, the, yeah. uh, the aliens. David Kemper apparently kicked in the door to the creature shop, Reservoir Dog style, and yelled, Give us something new. You can do anything. And Dave Elsie said, All right. And well, they, heck, what key do you want in it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they took this perfectly fine actor and they just like shoved the biggest teeth into his into his mouth that would fit to push his lips out so he couldn't talk and then right. cover everything else in his face and put these eye stalks out and an animatronic helmet. Yeah, so I'd love how they uh, used the, uh, the little grating, which you like think it's like, is that his nose? It's like nose filters. But you, then you realize oh, it's probably just the, what he actually looks out through. Yes, uh, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure it's got these eyes out on the sides, which is like obviously not the actor's eye. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that the uh, the actor who played Bakesh, and later also the Tarkan, yeah, remember how he was blind in both oh, cases? Yeah, yes. 
sort of watch this on telly and, and like, I was like, well, that's bollocks. <laughs> I can never have nice things. <laughs> oh, sorry about this. I was diving way too much into the, into the podcasting. Hey, 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 how, how are you doing? I'm fine. Why? I don't know. I, f- I feel like maybe we should have like a a human interest segment on the podcast <laughs> now that we're in our season four. You doing a okay? human interest segment? <laughs> yeah. Like, what have I been doing? With my yeah, weekend? like, hey, hey, how's it go? Do you know how, like, people on YouTube are, like, super casual? Like, hey, guys, what's up? Hello, internet people. Yeah. Yes, how do you do, fellow <laughs> fellow kids? <laughs> but, you uh, know, let's talk about uh, what our listeners have to say about this episode. Yes. We have some cracking synopses, I see. Well, I don't know if they're cracking it because I haven't read them yet, unlike you. Do you read them? before? I read everyone. Okay, yeah. Just in case there's, like, spoilers, spoilers in there right, yeah, or anything no. appropriate. But, uh, no, everyone's always great. So, yes, the uh, synopsis we've gotten from our listeners go, Our favorite science jock is upset when his best girl turns up wearing someone else's letterman jacket. But don't worry, it's for <laughs> medical reasons. <laughs> The crew promised not to hurt the quack providing the treatment, but even Harvey doesn't trust him. Oh, Harvey. Is it like, hang on, is this, is this still going? Okay, this yes, is it's just the same one. one. Very, yes. No, I'm just checking that I'm not accidentally uh, reading multiple ones. I think this one was sent in before I made my admonition to the right. fit in less than a tweet. It quickly becomes clear only Captain Ratface on the SS Space Jellyfish has the cure, and he has not so simple proposition for the queue. Green Shirt finally gets rid of Jiminy Cricket and makes a deal with the devil to save their leather-clad backsides. <laughs> Thank you, Marcus Steele. <laughs> Oh, Rick from the Delta Quadrants, back again with a limerick. Can you imagine what this guy must be like at it's, parties? Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. This person, pardon me. We're reunited with old friends. New flatmates start a fashion trend. The antidote, a decoy boat. An oath of silence till the end. Oh, oh thank you, gorgeous. Rick. Yes. Yeah, right. And someone else rocks the Scorpy makeup after getting a cold dancing barefoot in the rain. Thank you, Lucy. There must be something to that that I'm not getting. Dancing cold barefoot dancing, in the rain, is that a... Get you a cold, dancing barefoot in the rain. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but... So how did you catch this cold? Dancing barefoot in the rain? I mean, was there barefoot rain dancing? No, I guess it's... It must be a reference to something that cool people do. Lucy's one of those cool people that you hear about. Uh, well, yeah. Rain... Is that what you call this? I like it. So, hey, yes, you thank- are. Hey, Kay, I think you're pretty cool. Oh, thank you. Well, I think you're pretty cool, too, so... Thank you. This has sure. been our human interest segment. <laughs> thank you. Now back to our regular <laughs> scheduled programming. Prepare to stop him! <laughs> I love that we have these buttons. I love them so much. <laughs> okay. So, we get a pretty lengthy uh, previously on... Uh, well, we did... Because well, accidentally turned out that uh, one of my one of my files was mislabeled, and we watched the opening to Lava's a Many Splendid Thing first. Right, but even then, during the proper previously on Star on uh, Farscape, you actually accidentally thought we were on the wrong episode again. Again, yes, uh, yes because, because it was such a long it was such a long get, introduction. Yeah, you get such a long recap of what was lost, which for for Lava's a Many Splendid Thing wasn't necessary. No, because it didn't. Yeah, it was a bottle episode or yeah, Planet of the Week episode, I suppose, and there was not much in the way of uh, major plot development going right. on. Right, Scorpius, Grazer, none of them really played a played a role. So we do start off with the end of the previous episode, where they got a transmission from Moya. Finally, they've like beamed their coordinates over, and now they are going to meet up with Moya. And we get this lovely shot of Moya drifting in some sort of oh, nebula where you can she, see some clouds parting. She's gorgeous. That, which is what literally what Dargo says. Violet, Moya looks beautiful. 
<laughs> yes, and then Pilot says, oh, yeah, she says thank you. Well, thank you, yes. <laughs> hey, and Pilot looks gorgeous too. She, he does. You told me that uh, they got, he got a new model again. He got an entirely new puppet, an entirely new skin. Like you can see, I noticed it. A lot finer detail mm-hmm. on his ridges. He looks... Like and I, I did looks notice little... that his claw was quite mobile and quite movable. It, it was less of a crab claw and it was more like a, a fluid moment. Oh, movement. very good. So uh, when Chana is uh, up in, uh, in the den with Pilot. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, I learned this about the way that Farscape is produced. Characters sort of sometimes sort of come back and alien designs and puppets sort of come back and you think, oh, well, that's a great way to reuse it. Hmm. But when it comes to these animatronics, they don't go on a shelf. Right no. after an episode, they're ripped apart because they want those servos back to use them in in something oh, else. Oh yeah, that makes sense. And so even like leftover, but if they've got like animatronic armatures, they don't stick around. No. So like the 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 previous, like it's very well possible actually. Now I'm thinking it that that servos and mechanisms from the previous pilot model were used in Ulam's face. Yeah, but like, well, hang on, the previous pilot Ulam, that's uh, the the pilot of the uh, Leviathan that... Uh, oh, sorry. Ulam is the villain in this episode. Oh, right. Him. So, sorry. yes, you're right. The uh, The original pilot armature was used for uh, pilot of Elac. Yes. And, and I guess in the meantime, they were building a new pilot. Yep. Mm. So the old one must have been disassembled. Like, they're not... I know, it's heartbreaking to think it for is. us now, but... They're not, they're not very sentimental, like they're tools and you want to use them. And the material isn't going to last anyway. It's like it's all the latex and all the other yeah, stuff that true. they have. It, it tends to fall apart after a while. I think I seem to recall something about like an original Yoda puppet being found or something like that. Oh, wow. And it was just like, yeah, it was in absolutely terrible condition. It was just like basically rotting away. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, it's like that's how it goes. It's like these things are disposable, I suppose. Yeah. And the real art, of course, is the design. It's like the molds and the casts and the and, and the design because they can be recreated. So there's something interesting, which is like kind of ignored the entire episode. Like it starts off with pilots like being questioned about like, okay, what happened when you got sucked in through the wormhole? Moyer was sucked down a wormhole and spat out again. What happened in the middle? My memory is unclear. We were not harmed, merely examined. And like, yes, yeah. we were we were examined. Oh, yeah. And, and we stopped off at the nest. What did you say? Yes. Never mentioned it. before. No, that was, I mean, there's like, I guess there's... Where the prang have you been? We stopped at our nest, then searched for you at the burial grounds. Back it up a sec. I mean, they have a graveyard, so I guess maybe there's a nest that, like... I love Leviathans that. tend to get born in, something like that. That sounds... But, yeah, Pilot being very evasive and, like... I can't remember what the questions that John asked him, but Pilot goes like, no. I couldn't say. You truly remember nothing more. Nothing of importance. We await your arrival. Doesn't yeah. say, I don't know. It's just like, I couldn't say. So he's clearly like... Well, that's that topic done with, isn't it? <laughs> well, I'm sure that'll never come back. Exactly. Like, no. <laughs> it's been this many episodes that we've been sort of dangled, you know, oh, finally, Jewel. Jewel can explain it. Oh, no, no, no. Talk to the old woman. Oh, she, old woman can explain it. No, she's not She's not doing it. She's not. No. Nope. And we're not really pushing her either. And now Pilot. So now that everybody's ignored it, we can just drop it, right? Of course. Yeah. Well, I did notice that my theory got shot down that it was the, um, what's wrong with the travelers? Because I think Ah, yeah, you're right, because that was a question John asked. We were not harmed, merely examined. By who? Neal's Pathfinder buddies? A Pathfinder, not the Travelers, that's it, what they were called, yeah. 
And, and Pilot sort of demurred on that. Like, it, yeah. it could have been, but it's like, maybe not, maybe yeah. It's like, so that's pretty definitely like over and done with and never coming back, yeah? Absolutely. Just like uh, Aaron's backstory, like we've we've processed that and that's just never going to come up again. Which backstory? Oh, what she's been doing on her summer holidays. Oh, yes, well, assassinations apparently. But Yeah, yeah, we're, we've dealt with that. and That's the last we're ever going to hear of that. So, yes, big surprise when John comes aboard, he sees, well, Aaron. Oh, hello. Yeah. Well, there's a familiar face. And she does not look well. I mean, okay, so we can go like... Sorry, that didn't come out right. Yeah, I, I know, because do, like, she looks amazing. I don't I don't like her look. I don't like the long straight hair, the loose straight hair. It's. I have had years to come around to it. Because <laughs> I, I understand what you mean, because now we're missing her ears and her neck. Yes. Right? And it's almost like she's wearing a cowl. I get you, her whole silhouette's changed. And she's wearing a weird suit. Yeah. She's sort of moved up from the black leather and she's going into latex territory. Well, we soon learn why that is. Yeah. Because it is, in fact, a cooling suit because she's got heat fever. And I'm like wondering, well, okay, why heat fever? Because like, it's not that hot here. It's like turn, turn the controls down on Moya. But uh, we soon learn that it's been induced. She's suffering from heat delirium because I induced it with a bioengineered contagion. It's genetically encrypted. Making me the only one that can save her from the living death. Now, he does say, you're burning up. Yeah. Let me see now. Because normally, what do we say? And, uh, sebaceans are endotherms or ectotherms? Oh, ectotherms. I, so they're... Basically, you know. if it gets too hot, they go like, oh, no, can't regulate their body temperature correctly. And then they go, go into the yeah, delirium, coma, living death state. So if you if you consensually and with permission touch some touch a sebaceous skin, mm-hmm. do they feel cooler than you? Because they, ooh, well, not necessarily because you don't know what their default temperature is. I mean, but you can ours still, is yeah. high compared like room. To, Actually, we're pretty low compared to most mammals. Right, but compared to the rooms that we like to be in, like if the room is yes. our body temperature, uh, you and I being Northern European uh, uh, stock, uh, yeah, we're oh, we're quite we're, uncomfortable. Oh yes, it'd be, be boiling. So we like rooms that are or like air that's cooler than us. But so a Sebastian who grew up in Northern mm-hmm. European houses like we did, wouldn't they be like the ambient temperature? Well, I mean, they're not like cold-blooded. The thing is like, okay, we do, so they have a critical... Oh, we yeah, ha- we okay. have, They have a critical temperature that their body can't deal with if they go up, if their internal body temperature goes over that. But we don't know how that, what that temperature is in regards to human body temperature. Could be the same, could be higher, could be lower. We don't know that. That's a good point. It's about how many, how much heat they're able to radiate and vent right. off. Right, yeah. Which is exactly like me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I have a fairly constant body temperature, so maybe but maybe, oh my gosh. So maybe your sebation, yes. <laughs> That'd be nice. So yes, at first I'm like think, wondering like, oh, is this like maybe a result of the pregnancy or something? Oh, wow, yeah. I mean, like we've established that like, uh, yeah, sebations are like hyper-fertile with pretty much everybody. They're just like the the... Sluts from the uh, uncharted territories, I guess. They're like the humans of space, or the, the D&D humans of space. Because, you know, a half-elf is a human, half-orc is a half-human. Yeah. Wow. Humans sure do. They sure do love it, don't they? Well, yeah. yes, we kind of do. How are you reading Aaron's emotions here? Because she's very stoic, she's sweaty, and then she's... Yes. On the edge of tears and and smiling and, and like, what were well, you she's reading? Clearly, she's clearly happy to see it, John. Yeah. So that's a good sign. Other than that, she's definitely back on her I'm hiding shit thing. Yes. 
which I kind of thought she'd be over at this point, but no, apparently she has now. Because like when when she was like not not talking about stuff with her mother, it's like we're yeah. we're back on that same level of. Uh, Do you think it's the same? It 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 feels the same. I don't know if it is the same, but it it feels the same. It's like I mean, I, there's a lot of like I can't talk about this. Like make promise. But me she s- says that she wants to. Yes, but she can't. She she tells him. Yeah. I can't talk to you about that. Why not? I really want to tell you, but I can't, and we need to leave it at that. Right, right, and, and that's and that's a lot more honest than she's done in the past. No, that's very true. Yeah, uh, which I mean, I I appreciate that. That's something that I can relate to when someone says that to me. Much more like, yeah, I have this 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 set of priorities that conflicts with my desires. And my desires are in line with the relationship that we have. Like, yeah, okay. But I, yeah, I made a pro- I presumably I made a promise, right. or there's some other reason that I cannot tell you about this, which I also cannot divulge you. Yeah, it's uh, like us in that one Halloween party that we don't mention, and that's why we make what? up all those other Halloween, Halloween party, party stories, stories to sort yes. of distract <laughs> from the Halloween party that we're not supposed to talk about, and yes. that I'll edit out here. There we go. So, yes, Scorpius turns out to have been the one to put her in the suit and help her. Uh, we get a little freaky little Scorpius licking. You are so my girl. And what is, he, what is his thing with licking at people? That's just what John's imagining. And oh, is it? Okay. Because he remembers doing that when, he, when, when Harvey took him over. Right, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't realize that was because there's, there's a few confusing scenes yeah. in this episode where we're we're suddenly in John's mind, uh, going back and forth. Yeah. So he gets. We see what he's imagining right. that Scorpius might have done when he found her floating yeah, in the prowler. Yeah, that makes sense. So there's one thing that I kind of like. One, one kind of gag at the beginning of the episode, which I kind of forgot to mention, is like when the, they're clearly onto the fact that something is weird because Pilot is being evasive and not talking about things, and they're they're, they're hypothesizing that there's going to be something on board that it might be a trap and everything. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> only one way to find out: walk straight into it. Okay, weapons are primed. Right, I'll take point. Everybody else stay put till I give the word. Like standard operating procedure is like just like oh, it might be a trap. No, we'll just walk straight into it and see what goes on. Yeah, I love that the dog is so on board. Like we just get guns and walk right into it, eyes open. There we go. At least we're aware that it might be a trap. So that's- because that's what worked for them. They've, they've consistently done that, so it's actually perfectly rational for them to assume. Well, no, I get that. In this universe that we live in, that's how we survive. Everyone's got a cool gun. Hey, look at this. We've yes. got Chi, Dargo, and John. John's got Winona. Chi's got... We're going to need a name for whatever it is I suppose she's got. we do, yeah. I mean, I guess she's not the kind of type who would, like, be sentimental towards a gun. She got her something that suits her, and that's just her little gun. But I don't think she'd be, like, fussed, yeah, troubled about losing it or anything like that or giving it a name. That doesn't feel like Chi to me. Okay, counter-argument... When somebody else has something, she wants that. Right. right? It's a sort of cat energy. So yes. if John has Winona, then she wants, right? She well, wouldn't want it for herself. She just wants him not to have it. But the, uh, No, uh, but the fact that he has a gun that he's given a name, well, now I have to have a gun that's given a name. Oh, because, well, so it's a cat thing. Mm. Uh, and Dargo has his Qualter blade. Well, I can't just have a, mine can't just be nothing. So Qualter blade, yeah. It's a cute little pistol. It's, it's like a noisy cricket, but bigger. Like quite, a, quite a lot bigger, yeah. A noisy cicada. 
<laughs> the noisy cicada that goes, oh, yeah. There's a cicada that goes, oh, yeah. Okay, so, okay, we're, we're, we're going into massive, like, uh, weird territory here. This is what it sounds like. <laughs> I was in um, South Africa at one point in one of the in the Kruger Park, oh, wow. and we're sitting in our uh, in our cabin, and we hear this noise, and it's like, and my mom goes like, "That sounds just like our next door neighbor when he's pumping his bicycle tires in the morning." Oh, I'm so glad you said bicycle tires. <laughs> <laughs> so I wander out there and like go have a look around, and uh, one of the other people who's like in that in that same camp just like asked me like. Starts talking to me like, "Where are you at for a walk?" So I'm just like wondering what what kind of animal is making that sound. And he goes like, "Ah, fietspomp," which is Afrikaans and as in Dutch for bicycle pump. <laughs> so that's that's actually the the, the name, the, the colloquial name that that little. It's, apparently, it was also a cricket, but it sounded just like a rusty bicycle pump, which oh, was just whistling. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, all right. So Chi and her bike pump, her feet pump. Yes. <laughs> I love it. So there's lots of standoffish things going on between Eren and John and Dargo and Scorpius mostly. So about what's going on. And like I'm here like, ah, oh, finally Scorpius is getting to join the crew. He's like because he wants asylum. Yeah. Asylum. What is it? With peacekeepers. First they hunt us. Then they want to move in. What, are we a bed and breakfast? We have a sign outside that says, Free HBO. Okay, space him. Yes. No. Jeff Bennett, the new director, I think did an amazing job. Like, this scene was so tense. You see, like, John's extreme effort making the promise that, that Aaron needs from him before she uh, she collapses. Mm. And he promises he's not going to kill Scorpius. And you can see how hard it is. For oh, him. yes. And I'm just, okay, I'm wondering here, like, is he still... Is he just being cautious or is he still angry with Scorpius? Because I kind of, in the past, I kind of got the feeling that he was kind of over Scorpius. Yeah, when they when they departed at the command carrier. Yeah, but they were like, okay, like we're done. But the way he acts here makes it seem that like, yeah, he was not as over it as he seemed to be. That's at trauma that point. for you. No, fair, fair. I mean, I guess you could, he could have considered himself to be over it. And now that he's confronted with Scorpius again suddenly realizes that he isn't or maybe he doesn't even realize it it's just his gut uh, instincts that make him act that way yeah. Yeah. and some of it may be misplaced right like right. he's just gone through a I mean, horrible ordeal with uh, yeah. with Grazer which he might be projecting onto Scorpius despite Fair. the fact that Scorpius yeah. was also a victim of Grazer but yeah I mean, he does ask, what's it going to take? Kryptonite, right. so, silver bullet, Buffy. So how are you still alive? And they, yeah, they immediately th- start thinking that uh, Sikosa, Sikosu, 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 yeah. Sikosu! Yeah, she's not, she's not sort of helping anyone. Try- I mean, she's not doing anything wrong. No. But she's not making any effort to really integrate with the crew. Or just or explain herself, trust. or she just... Okay, so... Scenes between John and Harvey. Yeah. What is this? Which movie is this referencing? Damn it, Harvey guns are dangerous, man. And ain't no smoking in my head. Among the fans, this is known as Reservoir Dogs scenes. Fair enough, yeah. Which kind of fits with the outfits that they've got. I mean, the sunglasses are a little cooler. I I immediately thought Men in Black, but like, there's there's no alien. Well, I mean, everybody's aliens here, but Reservoir Dogs. I mean, I've only seen that movie once, like years and years ago, so I I can get down with that, yeah. I love that they both start smoking. 
Yeah. Uh, and and John, no, John immediately like, like oh, no, not this and not for you no, either. S- no smoking in my mind. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and now, hey, this this corridor that they're in, yeah. those are the corridors between stages in the Homebush Bay set. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So this is actually like our first real behind-the-scenes footage. Oh, that, that is really cool. Yeah, right? I mean, it's like it makes sense. It's like to use that. Yeah, and I absolutely love that. This is the like I kind of wish that all of their conversations took place here because it's this, it's this inner space, like outside of reality, liminal space for Farscape as well. Right. I mean, yes, that makes sense. It's like there is the real reality, which is the fake sets, and then there's this bizarre other space, which is... Which is real, but we're not supposed to see. <gasps> Brilliant. Uh, and Harvey is counselling John to just kill Scorpius. You can't trust him. You have to get rid of him immediately. Yeah. And what would you have me do? Whack him straight away? Without hesitation. Harvey is clearly out for his own... Because he, like, he knows his existence is threatened by Scorpius, as we later uh, in the episodes quite see. Wow, yeah. Because, I mean, he might want out of John's head, but he doesn't want to be gone. I mean, that's clearly been established. Like, initially, he wanted to just, like, not be anymore. But now he clearly does want to continue being. And he's happy with, even, like, later on, even says, okay, I'll go back in the dumpster, you know. Like, even that's preferable to, to... being extracted from John by Scorpius. Yeah. Yeah, because he knows himself. It, yeah. <laughs> that was that was most of season three. Yeah. Right? For yeah. for, for yeah, Harvey totally. sort of yeah. realizing his new place in the in the world. But yes. Rigel's having it's, fun. Rigel's just being a little dick as usual. <laughs> ah, Scorpius. Your room's prepared and we've relocated your possessions. How many coolant rods do you need? <laughs> Rigel? Cut it out. Aaron needs those. Perhaps we should save them all for Aaron. Smashing glow sticks on the ground. Glass glow sticks, by the way. That's They're not. not. I mean, if you They're look not? at... I mean, it's Foley. It's done by... You, you can tell that the uh, the glow sticks, which are actually on the on the little pedestal, are just regular glow sticks. Oh, and yeah. And then in the... You can't quite see it in the first shot, but if you look in the second time he chucks one of those glow sticks on the ground, you can tell it's just a plastic glow stick which has been cut open. Oh, but they have wow. The, the, they have the little... The glow gla- stick juice. They have the little glass sound of the, which you'd make if it were made out of glass, it would be breaking. So that's just done by Foley. What's that juice called again? It's like luciferin or something? Or is that oh, what fireflies uh, you're have? You're thinking luminol. Oh. Uh, but that's kind of stuff that I thought they... that was UV reactive. Ooh. I think Luminol's this is. Luminol's from CSI, right? Right, yes. But I think that they combine the two liquids and one of them is the luminescent stuff and the other one, it starts producing the kind of energy that that luminescent stuff needs to start glowing. It's, it's something oh. like that. So this, yeah. I'm not entirely sure on the details, but it's something like that. Once you crack the glow stick, there's a little file in there which breaks and then the two liquids yes. start mixing. Yeah, it's a two component uh, and then one of them thing. Pr- one of them provides the energy for the other to start to do the glowing. Magical, magical yes. stuff. He gets uh, admonished by John because Aaron needs this now because we've seen that Aaron also has had one of the little screwy head thingies implanted. Oh, I or don't. Is that f- another John fan? Uh, John, ima- uh, John. That's ma- a. That's a. That's a John. No, I don't really have a portmanteau. Hmm. Hold on, see. Uh, cra- cere- like, cerebral. When he walks, I mean, no, I'll, s- get, I'll get something. Sorry, yeah. hold on. No, nothing coming coming to mind. G- imagination. Like, right, we don't see that yet. He just says, like, okay, 
we know that Erin needs those, but we haven't seen her that that scene yet. Because I yes, was wondering, okay, like who's implanted that? Because the doctor who put that into Scorpius is dead by his hand. But no, because yes, in that one scene, we very briefly see it coming out of her head, and that's yeah. John imagination because there's a sort of a crossfade before and after. And mm. the rest of the scenes, she has a, a glow stick taped to the side of her right. head. Right. Yeah. So it's not in her brain like uh, with Scorpius. Yes. Okay, that makes sense. He's a very perforable sort of fella, isn't he? I mean, he can have this huge cheese grater or what do you call it, mincer right. in his in his brain. He can be shot through the central cavity of the chest. Yeah. I mean, it was it was, uh, and be okay. it, was more, it was slightly, slightly higher, so it was being lung shot or something. I thought it was right down the middle. I thought it was like mm. uh, popped out the sternum. No. Okay. We, we, I'd have to look it up. I, I, I would have thought it, I would have said just, it was like it, yeah, it should be in the in the opening shot of this. Be, uh, yeah, but oh yeah, here we go. No, it's slightly left of center, as far as I can tell. Oh uh, yeah, that's hard territory for us. Yeah, no, for us it is, but we don't know about like you know sebations. We don't know about uh, scarins, so his heart might be anywhere. I love this outfit on her. I think it looks so cool. Because it's got the, even the cowl has the same sort of silhouette that it does for Wayne Pygram. Yes. But did. the straps are thinner, the gaps are wider. And she doesn't have the, the, the little uh, jock strap for the chin. No, exactly. It's cold in here. What kind of room is this? Um, something to do with regulating Moyer's temperatures. I was even, I was wondering what kind of room this was in because she's got a medical light in front of her and mm-hmm. there's an examination table, but also this this beautiful, weird sort of door with translucent panels. Well, we have, a new, we have new doors on Moya, which is interesting. Mm. Which is kind of like, look, there's even a discussion about this cold room. It's like, oh, yeah. uh, where did it come from? Oh, Scorpius found it. Of course he did. Yeah. And I'm kind of surprised that they are still finding new stuff on Moya because... Now, they've been on Moya for quite a while now. There have been very long stints of them being on Moya with nothing to do. You'd be, yeah. you'd have figured that they'd like they've been everywhere. I mean, that's what I do. It's like <laughs> whenever oh, I'm yeah, on, whenever I'm on a boat or something like that, especially yeah, like a cruise ship or one of those ferry ships. Oh, the absolutely. first the first thing I do is I like I walk around everywhere that they'll allow me to come. Yes. <laughs> so I'm kind of surprised that there would still be spots in Moya which they haven't found yet. It's I guess maybe it's more uh, uh I mean, maybe they have found it, but it's cold and boring. Mm. So on to the next one. Right. Like there's probably less than 20% of Moya is actually interesting to be in. Fair enough, but still, you'd want to look around. You know, that's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's how, at least that's how I'd be. How'd you find it? Scorpius did. Of course he did. We see the little DRD, which, which John touches fondly. I'm not sure what's on with it. It looks like it's covered in rags or something. That's oh, 1812. It is. It's 18, a, oh, yeah. it is. Oh, he brought it over from the other... He brought it over uh, from Elac. Oh, speaking of DRDs, we get the scene now between uh, Sukozu and Pilot, where Sukozu starts, like, fondling the panels. Uh, Pilot of Moya, these consoles need repairs. Where are the DRDs? And, like, starts all bossing him around for uh, DRDs. And, like, again, like, no, they're busy elsewhere. Like, well, and, and, yeah. and then he also goes, have we been introduced? Yeah. <laughs> I like that she calls him Pilot of Moya. Yes. I am Sokozu Shanu. Command function is our first priority. Send DRDs immediately. Ignore her, Pilot. Hey. Well, that's a new record. 
You've been on the ship for less than an hour, and you're trying to run it. Nice. Chiana, someone has to. <laughs> that someone is not you. Your cargo. Baggage. I love how Chiana is here. It's like she's like a hard ass. Uh, yeah. And she, she tells like Sukoza, like, no, you were not invited. You are not part of the crew. You are like, and you should stop uh, acting like you own the place. And I. I love this because on the, the the first moment that it happened, I was a little bit disappointed that hey, they had some uh, character development, relationship development in Lava's and many splendid things, and that's been kind of like rolled back. And yes, it makes complete sense because Chi is taking over for Zan here, mm. like she's standing up for Pilot and Moya. Yeah, she's, she's being very protective of uh, yeah, them. yeah. She's the she's the mama bear now, yeah. which I absolutely adore. Yeah, there's this scene between uh, John and Aaron where she's not telling him, but she is saying that it's not because she doesn't want to. It's not because she doesn't trust him. She wants to be there, but she can't because of promises. Oh, I wonder what that would, what that means. Yes, apparently she has been up to something. And yes. As we find out, when uh, Moya is approached by a ship, but she can't starburst because there's too much mass nearby. Which is weird, as we learn later, but yeah, because the mass isn't actually there. So yeah. apparently hollow projectors can't project mass and is it then real mass or like I mean this opens you know interesting avenues of discussion. Yeah, I mean if you if you have a chameleon ship which is how this ship is, uh, yeah. is described then it's not just enough to look big which it does it looks enormous. Right. You have to be able to fool other sensors as well. Right. So it would stand to I mean maybe it's like a a targeted tractor beam mm. specific to like the the gravimetric sensors on another ship to right. trick it into thinking that there's too much mass some, some shit like yeah. that because like oh look at you being all playing all my part here <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm suddenly very proud of myself how can one ship be too much mass I reverse get clear of it I'm trying but it's moving with <laughs> God, it's huge. It, it looks huge. Huge. Yeah. And 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 it's all it's all glowy and like Moya is dwarfed by it. And we see Aaron growing a little bit concerned by uh, the demands made by the captain Ulom. Yes. Over the intercom. Ulom. No way. Ulom. No, I was more thinking World of the Worlds, but Ulom. Well. What? Never mind. If you know, you know. It's, I guess I just get to languish in ignorance along just, with so many part, of it's our just, fans. It's just a part of the music. It's like... The musical. War of the Worlds, the musical. The music. No. Oh. Uh, there is a War of the Worlds musical, isn't there? I'm not sure if it's actually... It's not really a musical. It's more like a, a, a performance of the entire soundtrack. It was like, you know, it was a uh, horse bell. What's the word? A radio play. Oh, Wow, for a second I forgot Dutch, and I was just like a horse bell. That's an interesting <laughs> instrument. It's like a cow bell, but with, so with more rhythm. Horse bell translates as a hearing play. Yes, that's yeah, the one. So it's <laughs> and we see Ulom on the on the big screen, and I love seeing the command lit with this sort of cerulean teal aquatic mm. light, which becomes a, a, a huge theme. I mean, the entire ship looks like very ghostly at first. I, I kind yeah. of figured it was just like, is that thing? Yeah. Very it looks ethereal, these god exactly. rays coming out. Can you hear me? Outside signal, overriding comms. I am Ulam, chief protector of the prime Lucasian, 
addressing the Leviathan designated Moya and all her crew, including the assassin Aaron Sun. I know she's suffering from heat delirium because I induced it with a bioengineered contagion. It's genetically encrypted, making me the only one that can save her from the living death. Oh, okay. So there's a there's a bit of a plan. Dargo and John want Rigel to negotiate with the other ships so that they can fly over under a flag of truce and then Dargo and then hit him over the head with a flag of truce. Yeah. <laughs> Rigel says, well, I'll get the information that uh, Ulam wants out of Aaron if you give me 30 microts and a... And a knife. And a bris- and knife. That's, that's the Brist knife. That's the Brist knife, yes. yeah. <laughs> wow. Yes. I mean, I'm not sure what he's thinking at that point, but uh, yes. I guess it's it's sort of sense memory. Yeah, he's back to his he old wants, self. Because Tokar wants, sorry, uh, Ulam. Ulam wants the names of Eren's assassin compatriots. Fellow assassins, yeah. Yeah, so it's like apparently in this arguably short period of time like that Eren's been away, she's like managed to fall into a... I mean, we don't know how long it's been, but... I mean, it's a full beard length, at least. Oh, yeah, good point. Right? Yeah, no, totally good, total good point. So, yeah, at least a month or two, probably. That makes sense. I mean, that sounds like enough time. I'd, actually, speaking of Rigel, I love how we get a little shot of him floating in front of the view screen uh, yeah. out front, so you could get a little... Yeah, they spent a little bit of the, uh, the, CGI, the budget. CGI budget on that. Oh. One of their CGI tokens. <laughs> it's such a good shot. I, I really enjoy it, because, like, Crichton's sitting on a table, and he jumps off, because, yeah, this is all... None of them are precious about these these the architecture or the furniture or whatever. It's just mm. what happened to be there. They didn't grow up with, or they weren't like trained to appreciate the delicacy or whatever. It's right. just a table. You sit on it. So, okay, so the, the the one thing about this aliens that I've got, uh, uh, Ulam and his uh, crew, is like, it's like it, they start off with this weird and that uh, monologue. Basically, they appear and they're like, it's like, you know, the the burning bramble bush. Uh, and yes, it's like he just yes. like starts monologuing about who they are and what they want to do. And it, it's, it sounds like a very weird way to introduce yourself. Yeah. Almost like the writers went like, okay, we need to get out of the way, but we can't make it. To, we're running out of time, so we have to com- <laughs> we have to compress this, like, this story arc a little bit and just like have this, okay, why don't we just have him monologue and explain everything what's going on? And then we can get on with the interesting parts. <laughs> I, th- I think you're definitely right. Right. But I also think that uh, Ricky, sorry, Richard Manning <laughs> yeah. was being very clever here because this this guy's whole strategy is uh, intimidation. Uh, yeah, yeah, deceptive intimidation specifically. Like yeah. he does not have a multitude of soldiers to to back him up. So yeah, busting in with a with a speech, dominating their their comms, like mm. he overrides their comms to monologue at them. Yeah. That's kind of in line with the, the sort of yeah. spiel that he's doing. Fair enough. Which I kind of did. Yeah, I can get in with that. The missile carries a pulse charge. On impact, the pulse charge will destroy the biologics, killing the Leviathan. And it doesn't affect any of the life forms on board. The passengers will be unaffected. Good. Very good. Meanwhile, on the command carrier, preparations are being made. They have got a anti-biological missile, but specifically anti-Leviathan, I suppose, because everybody yeah. else isn't going to get harmed. We get this hunky pilot dude. Yeah, uh, he's gorgeous. Who is like very much, very, very Australian. Yeah, he looks, he has sort of indigenous 
uh, looks, uh, features. But I was talking about his accent. <laughs> well, yes, defo. <laughs> <laughs> who is going, yeah, he's facing off with Braca. Yes, who is sort of, he, he's now Captain Braca. Braca and yes. he's like mediating between these two experts. And you've got this weapons scientist woman who insists that uh, this tech. missile should be yeah. flown. Yeah, well, I mean, she's pretty assertive for a tech. I know. Which I, I like. That's what I thought as well. That's under, but the pilot's not having any of it. And she goes like, yeah, there's a discussion about if this missile can be fitted to a prowler or that they need a marauder. A uh, marauder's like, not going to get close enough before well, that being detected. Well, that's the thing. The but, pilot says, like, we need a marauder because it's too, the missile's too big. And, yeah, prowler goes on. And Commander Boop Window uh, actually is, like, watching Baraka in his new role. And he's, he's kind of getting a job evaluation here. And it's she not does coming it right. And she's, but it's not going very well for him. What sort of leadership was that? Ma'am, this weapon is an unproven prototype. It needs study. I don't want studies, Captain. I want Crichton. She waits for him to make his decision, which yeah. is to mediate between, hey, 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 let's not be too harsh. Let's yeah, not- why, don't we, you, why don't you run another simulation and you crunch some more data and, and Darth, you are- data, sorry. Da- <laughs> <laughs> I loved you, man. And then, and then your uh, worries will be assuaged and that'll be fine, right? Mm. Find the sort of middle ground, which Grazer very correctly points out, or oh, sort of leadership of that. That wasn't like you're not you're not resolving the conflict. You're just displacing it. You're just delaying it. Yeah. And also, I want results. Yes, very much that. Uh, there's a lot of that going on in uh, Peacekeeper Command. I noticed they're very result driven. Well, as I'm uh, in my career, sort of developing experience with leadership as a as a as a service and and management and like it. Does help to keep an eye on the on the on the, like the ultimate goals and the and the results to be achieved because you, well that's what it's all can, about in, in the end yeah yeah and it's, uh, the friends you make along the way are also very important <laughs> yes. so it's, it's tricky so we got a lovely uh, new shot of Lola uh, flying over to the big ship this and is just a transport this is, is it a transport, transport pod oh, yeah, yeah you're yeah, right yeah, it's yeah. not it's Lola. Got all the yeah. all the yeah, ribbon no, but you, yeah you are yeah. right yes. it's a it's a new shot and I think it's absolutely beautiful. As is the Lukaithian ship. It sort of reminds me of the the Narada from the Star Trek J.J. Abrams film. Oh, I was thinking it it, it reminds me a little bit of the uh, the the Skeksis ship uh, from the. Uh, it's also got got the blue and the yellow uh, lighting. Oh, does uh, it? I think so. Yeah, but it looks quite different. Like, oh, some the ribs interior. Here. You mean the interior? Yeah. Sorry, that's what I was talking about. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. Like the um, the Halosians. Yeah. You Halosians. Have that's the ones. Yeah. This sort of organic ribbing and this uplighting. Yeah. There are sort of aquatic patterns on the on the walls, which I'm not sure if they're painted on or projected on. Mm. Sort they of, don't. They, they don't move. Fade. They kind of fade. So I think they're projected. Well, it could also be like. Uh, right. More reflective paint, and then our lamp yeah, fading point. up and down. So yeah. I'm, I'm not quite sure on that. I mean, it it doesn't look like those aquatic patterns are being projected on Dargo and John's faces as they're walking around this uh, this weird, weird set. Mm. <laughs> I got sort of a high school dance vibes that the that the you know the aula or the uh, oh the, right the, 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 the main and, hall is and uh, Dargo and John are just wandering in there going like oh is this what the kids do these days knock 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 candygram 
I know. And it's yeah. been, you know, decorated and lit. Oh, welcome to the Under the Sea dance. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, yes, uh, uh, Captain Ula is standing there, uh, like, making more demands that he wants... Uh, yeah, their leader has been assassinated, apparently, by Aaron. And her compatriot. I almost went, like, da- the- Darren, but, like, not... Yeah. <laughs> Aaron. That'd be a cool name. Well, it's, yeah, like, mixed between Dargo and Aaron. Like, okay, it doesn't really work. But, yes. Uh, I like it. Darren's son. Darren. What? Fair enough. And, yes, he... And he's holding a willy. It's, yes. It's a willy gun, isn't it? It's, well, I I have it written down as a slug projector or something. You're entirely right. It's the slug gun. Yes. That's what, because the creature shop was was asked, hey, get us an injection mechanism that isn't like a syringe. Right. It it really gave me existence vibes. (gasps) Yes, that's exactly (laughs) right. The, oh, the sort of jaw gun, right? right Made yeah, out, of, this, out of meat bits. Sh- uh, shooting teeth, yes. And the, the little biological con- game controllers, which, yeah. you, which you can kind of just squibble and push and, like, toy with the nipples and whatever you want to call them. <laughs> oh, what a what an incredible film. I remember this, this one bit, because one of the conceits is that there's this game console, which is actually sort of bio-engineered matter mm. and it looks like sort of a skinny organ bag with an umbilical cord and you have to have a special like port, port. installed oh, in your yes. spine that it plugs oh. into and and one of the guys goes well hey it opens up into your body isn't that isn't that risky aren't you at risk of infection and the the woman the game designer allegra geller i think her name is yes she doesn't answer him verbally she just opens her mouth real wide yeah uh, yeah, it's fine. But there's also the scene where, like, oh, after he gets that port fitted, that the guy kind of, like, lubricates his finger. and There's, like, <laughs> <laughs> first time. Like, they, they can be a little bit tight the first time. And it's like, oh, God, like, yes, there's so much. Uh. Scan show no weapons on your pod nor your persons. Just as we agreed. Scans also show you aren't. Sebastian. So you get this real vibe of sort of body horror and, yes. and organic, because that's what he's saying. He managed to dose the assassins with... He didn't say he did it, but they managed to dose the assassins, right. yeah, with some sort of stuff, because apparently they knew they were Sebastians already. Ah, yeah. Uh, and they infected them with heat virus or whatever it is, which is what's causing uh, Aaron's heat fever. Hey, do you think that he was the assassination target? Ooh, I don't think so. Because I was sort of getting that vibe toward the end. It's something that I'd never noticed before, and I also therefore haven't uh, looked it up in my research. But, like, the fact that he's being projected by hologram, he's he's hanging in what sort of looks like almost a life support system. Yeah. And at the end, after he's been shot, he tells Crichton how you finished what she started. As if maybe he's the leader that he's avenging. I mean... I, I can see your point, but I would have expected more of a reaction from Aaron uh, when she saw him. If that oh were true. yes, you're right because she does remember him, and he's not yeah. the leader. No, you're 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 very right. But so he's uh, he's taunting them. Dargo tries to tongue him, but no, he was just a he was a just hologram. a little hologram. Yeah. Cute hologram, and we wanted a face to face. I don't care what you want. And now he knows. That they're willing to die for this cure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Something's not right. It should be blue. Erin isn't doing too well. She's like having a little lie down because the the little glowy thing on her head has gone red. 
Yeah, Scorpius is apparently on the speakerphone and tells them to put it back. Yeah, and replace it with a blue one. Which Chiana goes off to do, and meanwhile, Granny, Granny prepares some sleeping powder. Some Fiang powder will deepen her sleep. Crichton won't mind. Offers her powder, and yeah, the cocaine fairy gets her comeuppance, because Erin was apparently not sleeping as bad, <laughs> bad, as deeply as she imagined to be, because, like, she, I mean, I mean, she cottons onto this woman very quickly. Yeah, they because, also have not been introduced. No, but she just slaps her hand, and what's her face, gets a face full of her own uh, powder. I hope this Fiang's still potent. <laughs> I'm amazed that her tolerance isn't higher. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) She uh, rips her headgear off, marches to the the command, sends Sikozu away, and interrupts John and Dargo's uh, negotiation with Ulom by presenting an an ultimatum. Hey, you let everyone go. There is nothing here for you. And she puts a gun to her head. Yeah, she says, like, I'm going to die with this information. I will kill myself, much to the shock of John and Dargo, of course, if it wasn't for the fact that who steps in but... Rigel, yeah, he comes fl- silently floating in and he thwacks her on the head. Because as soon as she appears on the screen, both John and Dargo both come immediately, like, Aaron's on the command, somebody get up there and, and help her. Mm. And she gets knocked down, but she gets up again. again? <laughs> yeah. She has a whiskey drink and a... Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, and Dargo and John tell Ulom that they're going to get the information. We, Yeah, we will get the information for you and we will see how it goes. Uh all right, this is my favorite scene because Sikozu goes to see Scorpius, mm-hmm. this person that she has a weird relationship with. Because, like, imagine this from from Sikozu's point of view, right? Yeah, she's following the same path that Jewel did, and kind of Chiana in engaging with the crew. But she meets Scorpius very early on, who saves her life. Yeah, right in the uh, in the graves as Skernak. And she's fascinated by this person because he's intelligent and brutal in the way that she's intelligent and brutal, mm-hmm. which she sort of tests. Like, she goes out to find him, and she speaks to him in a language that we don't know. And he replies, he says, oh, you speak pilot. Yes. What else do you speak? Kresnoskansa? Perhaps Scarron, yes. And they have a little chat in, in what Scarin, is... and it goes back to Sebastian or English or whatever it is. Almost suggesting that the Scarron language, does it resist translation? Or can you, can you use a second language and have it not be picked up by translated well, we, microbes? We, we know that pilot language is not uh, covered by translating microbes. Right, yes, because, because it's, it's too cognitively... Compl- it's it's yeah. too complicated. One sentence can carry over a hundred different facts, concepts, emotions, far too complex for our translated microbes to interpret. Other languages, well, I mean, we know that she doesn't have translated microbes because right, her body yeah. doesn't just so she actually has to learn the languages. Scorpius presumably does. Yeah. So either Scorpius is like in, in, in fearing that, I mean, maybe you can still hear it, that it's like they're not speaking the language you think they are. Maybe it works differently if you do speak the language. It's tricky, right? Yeah. Like, I wonder what language would Scorpius be speaking regularly? Because his, his mother tongue would be a Scaran language. Yes. Although it did bother me that he's like one of the examples is like the Scaran language. There isn't oh, a yeah. Scaran language. Yes. Well, oh, actually, maybe there is. Who? I mean, they might have a lingua franca. Yeah, there might be a... Lingua, a, lingua scranca. 
We're not doing great with portmanteaus <laughs> no, today, are we? <laughs> no, no. No, we and, are totally not. Okay, now we get a really weird scene. Aaron, okay, so one more thing. Like, oh, yes. There, there's, there's, there's something weird about the way this is shot, but in a scene where uh, Sukosa and Scorpius are talking, I think that he looks a lot like John Delancey. He looks like... He looks like Q oh. from... I don't know why, but there's something about the angle or the how he's acting that makes him look... He, he looks like Q. You're you're quite <laughs> right, because Q loves the side-eye. Right, of right. course, yes. Turns his head off yeah, to the side. Yeah, yeah. There's he's, that, yeah. <laughs> and that's what Scorpius doing. I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a tricky set, because he's in a cell. And, and they have to, like, film through these bars of the cell. Jagged. Which, Tooth bars yeah. that don't make for, uh, for easy yeah. filming. But yeah, it's, yeah, maybe it's it's the tilt of his head. It's the yeah, it it, it really reminded me of Q there. That's uh, interesting. Really making use of the widescreen format here. Yes. Don't be so upset. Death is nothing to fear. I should know. Aaron's strapped down to the table with uh, plastic restraints. Took me but, very long to notice those, by the way, but yes. Well, that's see-through for you. And in John's imagination, Harvey takes the shape of, like, Scarin. Yes, and, like, what? we... Like, With first, the actual like, makeup. First, I was like, oh, wait, wait, is she, like, where's she getting the eyes? And then, yeah. and then she... But no, hang on, she's got, like, suddenly got black lips as well. And, and the then, chin jockstrap. And the chin jockstrap, and it's like, oh, wait, like, oh, it's just, like, in John's head again. But it's... It's Harvey's voice coming out of Claudia yeah. Black's mouth, oh, it's dressed as a, <laughs> Scorpius. a Scorpius Aaron hybrid. It's amazing. Yes, they must have really uh, had a lot of fun doing that. Why won't you allow her to die? Soon enough. You wish you had. There's one bit that I, I found quite confusing, which is where Scarin, mm-hmm. which is Harvey, uh, yeah. uh, says something and then... Aaron almost sort of responds to it. Why won't you just let her go? She's not yours. Points of fact, I never was. Never will be. But you'll never be lonely. Oh, so yes. Even Aaron on the bed is sort of a prop in in Harvey's... Yeah, um, we really don't... It's it's very difficult to keep track of whether or not it's just in John's head or what's going on. I think, like, pretty much everything that is there is, like, in John's head, everything that's said, at least, because, like, Erin seems to be just out of it. Oh, I like that, although she, yes. Although she does end up talking right at the end. Yes, that's true. So... You have no right to do that. It's my life. And what of other people... On you. Willem doesn't care about anyone else. He just wants me. Not as much as I do. I made a promise. Doesn't that mean anything to you? Doesn't life mean anything to you? That is an awesome interpretation. <laughs> so, more stuff on the board to command carrier, but the decision is made that Braca is going to fly the plane himself. Like, he, sh- he shows leadership. He tells the pilot, like, yeah, well, you screw it. You, sir. You're convinced this mission will fail. You're obviously the wrong person for the job. Dismissed. Go. No, it's, it's, it's a fair point. Like, if you don't think it can be done, means you think you can't do it, therefore I'm not going to let you fly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Grazer seems to be a little bit satisfied. more... Yeah, she seems more impressed with him now. Well done. Good hunting, Captain. More corridor shots. Love them. 
and John walks in on Scorpius and Sikozu in the cell. Yes. S C H E M I N G. He draws Winona uh, 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 and, and says, oh, so you've been in cahoots this whole time. And Scorpio says, no, no, no. She has just begun to help. It just started. Yes, just now. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is such a great move. Oh, no, no, it hasn't been this whole time. She just started betraying you. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> that is indeed what's happening. And he has an offer. I can get rid of the neural clone. Ah. And Crichton even goes, what clone? John, Officer Swan is in danger, and so is Moya. I can help. Ah, that was a good bluff on his side. And Scorpius goes, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and this is like another really like existential moment for Harvey. We've seen him die once before, of course, just as we've seen uh, John die once yes. before. There's like, I wonder where this shot is, because like, it looks a bit like a hangar or something when there's like more... A confrontation between John and uh, Harvey, and they've got like one of those fine chairs that was also used in Casino Royale by the looks of it. I was wondering if we were going to get a scene like that. Oh, wow. I do wonder what this is, because you're right. It looks like a, I mean, I think soundstage, because I know this is Homebush Bay, but it's yeah. got these diagonal struts as if something's being hold, held up. I guess that's for like a lighting rig. I suppose so, yeah. So maybe this is an, oh, an as-yet-unused soundstage or uh, Yeah, it could be set. something that they just had uh, had on nearby. But, yeah, there's a little bit of negotiation between John and Harvey about getting uh, him ripped out. And Har- this is where Harvey says, like, I'll get back into the dumpster. Anything but getting janked out by Scorpius. Yeah. And I thought it was so weird that John agreed, like, subjecting himself to this procedure that Scorpius... Says is going to help him. He kind of, I guess, he kind of trusts, still trusts him, or I mean, not still trusts him, trusts him again, or is like willing to take his chances. Do you think it's purely rational, or just that he really wants to be free from? I presume the latter. Yeah, right. Because he's kind of like getting. I mean, it seems like he's he's in control of Harvey, but. He's he's gotten a little bit annoyed a few times this episode at Harvey popping his head in and like actually actually mingling in. So he's like probably not convinced that he can maintain this control forever. And he knows that Harvey is plotting his Harveyisms. Yes, it's still Harvey's still Scorpius, but uh, and his mind is a private place. Yeah, like imagine not having privacy in your own mind. Yeah. Just never being able to be alone. Like I, I relate to this very strongly as, a, as an introvert who's learned to perform and appreciate extrovert behaviors. I love hanging out with people and going on holiday and whatever. And then afterward, I need to be alone in a room for an hour with nothing. Just nobody. Yep. That's what I need very badly. Like, I love my boyfriend. I love that we're working from home. We have wonderful lunches and, and dinners together. And then now and again, it's like, ah, the time has come. Yep. I need to be alone in a room for an hour. I can, I can relate. This is a private place. Harv, you don't belong here. But, yes, he does get stabbed by some sort of thing, which presumably sucks the clone out, because once we, uh, he actually shoots Harvey in his mind space. Yeah. He gets him, gets him to sit down in the chair, and he goes, like, make it quick. And, Harvey uh, goes with grace. I mean, he yeah. says, oh, there's a quote that I think we've heard before. Without hesitation. Without hesitation. Without hesitation. Without hesitation. Without hesitation. Without hesitation. So we have another CSU shot where... So hold on. 
you're saying that Harvey's been extracted. I th- I would think so. That's what you're getting out yeah, of this. Yeah, that's what I'm getting. Yeah, so otherwise Scorpius he- now has Harvey in his syringe. Right, that's what I think. Gotcha. Yeah, that's, I'll, I'll, I'll put points on that. <laughs> I'll, put I'll put 100 points on that <laughs> I knew you were going to do it I, I, I trusted you to do it So I wasn't even going to 100 points on that I don't know if you've got 100 points Yeah, you probably do You've been doing quite well Oh, what a, what a relief this must be for, for John And this was, this was Scorpius' strategy Because mm. now he tells him Ah, yes, there is a missile on its way We have three arms How do you know? Oh, I've, got, I've got still got someone on the command carrier Like, who is it? He must have known this for arms already. Oh, yes. And oh. just realized there's no point in telling anyone. But also, how is he in communication with them? How do you think? He must have some built-in like radio communicator or something like that. Right, because That's, later on he says... Hey, I know, a- his up- he gets instant updates on the situation, yeah. so he must have some sort of internal communicator, which nobody picks up on. <laughs> nope. We just move on. This is one of those other things that Farscape just drops and never gets back to, just like the wormhole and Eren's assassin past. And yeah, we're just, we're just done with that. But then we see the Prowler pilot, the, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the very hunky Australian gentleman, sort of prowling around the corner of the uh, command carrier hangar bay. It's, it's yes. the same set as in last season. They reconstructed that. Yes, he's listening in. So he might be the, the spy. Oh, do you think so? Oh, that's amazing. I might just, or it just might be Bracca. Oh, but I don't it think could it's be Bracca. Because Bracca, Bracca hates uh, Scorpius. It I mean, sure does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe they were being performative. Ah, God damn it. Oh, yeah, it could be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's obvious now you say it. So, back with Eren to uh, Oolong's uh, ship. <laughs> He's called Oolong, but I like that you call him Oolong because this is a lovely kind of tea. <laughs> There's milk oolong, which I rather milk oolong. Yes, it's lacto-fermented, so yeah, not so great for me. But there's pills. Yeah. There's, there's lactase pills, and then they can enjoy little treats that are that are not so great. For yes. So my stomach. first thought when they carried the stretcher with uh, Aaron on board is like, okay, they're, they're pulling something, and they've got Rigel hiding underneath the blanket. <laughs> that, was, that was my first thought. <laughs> okay. And then what does that get you? I don't know. It's like. <laughs> But that was that my fr- that was my first that, that was my first thought. <laughs> also, why why is she under a bloody blanket if she's heating overheating? But you know, we find that out because well, she's got a body shield on. No, no, of course, yes. But yeah, they got body armor. That's a hell of an invention. How come we don't have that? But even even afterwards, like she still keeps the blanket around her shoulders. Uh, at which point, it uh, shouldn't be necessarily. But yes, they uh, they convince her that like Erin uh, uh, is willing to talk, but that she is in such bad state that she needs the antidote first before she can talk. Ulom sends his flunkies. One of them injects the slug gun, yes. which doesn't immediately solve everything. So hit her again. One dose is more than sufficient. She should soon recover enough to speak. And now is that it, we know it, that, yeah. Well, is it though? It's like he it, it says it's enough for now. I think. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I got that as well. But then John and Dargo both seem to think, oh, no, well, it's fine. That's good enough. All right. Uh, they so kill the flunkies. They can't kill Ulom because he's still a hologram. Still a hologram. Yeah. Still. He's still faking it! The command there gets sealed off, and they are in the pro- oh, By the way, I love that little thing when, uh, before they go on, to, on this mission, they get Sukozo to come along. Because we may need a nerd. <laughs> says the nerd, yeah. <laughs> says the multiple people. No, he's still, a, he's still a sort of rocket jockey. Nerd jock, yeah. And now Aaron stands up. 
still clinging to that, uh, uh, blanket. that blanket yeah. around her, one of Moya's lovely skin flakes. And she addresses Ulam and, 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 and challenges him to face her, mm. which he claims to do. Still a hologram. Yeah. Sneaky that way. And this is where she sort of confronts him. Well, yeah. Your leader had more people slaughtered in one day than I could possibly kill in a lifetime. And if asked to do what I did, I would do it again and again. And I would do it for free. Yes. Which, when Erin says that, I believe her. Fair, yeah. I mean, you know, murder's not great at all. No, but we were clearly dealing with someone of Pol Pot-like properties here. And I can imagine, like, our task force that deals with that specifically is appealing to uh, to Aaron, who has a... Yes. In the words of Liam Neeson and his fantastic American performance, a particular sort of skulls. <laughs> but yes, uh, she gets shot in the back by the real Ulom. Yeah! Uh, who is dangling from the rafters, I suppose. Fortunately, she's wearing the protective shield. Stark and body shield. It's the best part of the plan. Well, it worked. Yes, yeah, first in it. And now that uh, Ulam has given away his real position, it does not take a lot of effort to take him down. One little sting from Winona, and well, he's not dead, but uh, he's not well. Uh, and there's his control sphere, which is like a ball with nails yeah. in, in the inside. Suppose who recognizes it immediately. Yes, and John goes like, well, in that case, use it. And she's like, oh, hell no. I think this is a control orb. A direct neural interface. Kind of hate those. He runs the entire ship with this. No. You run the entire ship with that. No, no it's way too complicated. I can never... Yeah, hey, our standards are really low, so just do it, okay? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sort of Any, int- anything is better than nothing. Oh, my little heart broke when she sticks her hand in and she gets this neural interface. Mm-hmm. And we see this this brief montage. They're shots of Talon. Oh. From when Aaron accepted the hand of friendship. These, right. these wide-angle shots of those corridors. Yes. Because that's the last time that we show a neural interface. Okay, but interesting. Why would that those images be seen by uh, her here? I think it's just a, like a production convenience. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Right? They, they, they didn't build a lot of hallways and the corridors for the Fair. Lukaithian ship. But she made it seem delighted and she's like now able to start controlling the ship. Which is going to be their next plan. Because yes. John has this idea. Right. Because there's uh, missiles on its way. They're not going to be able to get back to Moya before it's launched. And once it's launched, it's locked on. Yes. And, and even can't, Starburst can't help. No, because apparently it can follow them through Starburst. That's just a matter of Starbursting away quick enough. I but they're, yeah, they're out of time for that. They can't do that. Yeah, only if they could Starburst before it's launched. But they can't escape before it's launched. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. So Time the plan is in game, like okay. So the, we know that it's biologically locked to it, once it uh, locks onto the Moya, unique sort of pulse. Yes. The, uh, the, the bio signature, the fingerprint scanner that we use to unlock our laptops with. Yeah, biometrics uh, and uh, once yeah. it gets that, then it's uh, like the missile is locked in. Once locked on, it can ride Moya's slipstream through Starburst. So they devise a quick plan. The holographic nature of the ship is used to copy Moya, basically. While Moya herself... Gets a shutdown, a biological shutdown, yes. Oof. This is such a sci-fi contrivance. It is. I'm amazed at how well it worked for me. Oh, yeah, it it seemed to be... uh, Yeah, right. I I didn't question it much. But, uh, yeah, and it's all this sort of techno babble, and there's no real peril. It's sort of you know they're they're, they're inverting the polarity of the tachyon flow or right. whatever, and yet I sort of felt it. No, it worked really well. Good job, uh, George Bennett. There's a trouble in the command carry because oh, 
Brakasi's two Leviathans. Yeah, but then they shut shut uh, Moya down and like, oh no, one of them's dead. So one of them's you... clearly just a hologram because it doesn't have any act- active biology. No, no, they say it's like one of them's dead. One of the Leviathans is dead. It has no energy readings at all. It must be a decoy. You sure? Positive, sir. Transmitting proper coordinates now. <laughs> That's the tech woman's appraisal. Yes. I thought throughout this, like, Grazer's hovering about. But, but she's letting she's, them do their work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good senior leadership. Yeah, she's just making sure that everybody says what they say, and but she doesn't interfere, no. Yeah, like, Bracca's in command, and she's there to make Bracca better. Yes. So, once they decide that, yes, indeed, the, the, the signature that is not the dead one is the real one. All right, now it's irrevocably locked down, says Scorpius, so they can so, escape. Right, so the, the, the only weird thing about this is like, like, oh, I need the coordinates. But, like, why do you need coordinates if you have a biolock? But I guess it's maybe from, like, it tells the biolock sensors to, to, to implant on whatever is on those coordinates. So, I guess that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Something Especially like if there's, like, two of them, and uh, then you definitely want to make sure that it locks onto the right one. Yeah, but yes, once it's irrevocably locked, they can now go on. Like, there's a little bit of a kerfuffle in rebooting Moya. Yeah, but that, oh. Like, oh, there has to be a moment of tension. Like, oh, it's not working. Oh, try harder. Push more buttons. Uh, <laughs> give us a heartbeat. It's not working. Moya may have been dormant too long. You can't awaken her. You will. I told you you could do it, pilot. You're the dreadest. You're very kind to say so. This missile that's supposed to only affect Leviathan biologicals and not harm anyone on board absolutely kills the Lukaithian and destroys the remainder of that ship. I mean, it was only a small ship. I mean, it might have, like... Just, harmed Moya, but like not be big enough to uh, yeah, you're right. to do any serious damage to it. Whereas, Just the kinetic impact might have been enough, right? Because yeah, this was apparently a very small ship that Ulam was uh, was on. It was just disguising as a huge ship. Braca is a little bit surprised by this, as is the tech, and and Braca like radios over to her like, "Hey, we are going to have words when we get back." And right, the then- decoy the decoy is starbursting. Grazer steps in and says, no, that's okay. I'll handle the post-mortem, Captain. Yes. <laughs> and orders the tech to report to the Aurora chair chamber. chamber. Yeah. Take a seat. I'll be right with you. Which is horrible, but also an appropriate leadership strategy. Like, this is the kind of thing that she can take off of Bracca's plate so he can continue to focus on uh, right. uh, uh, performing the rest. Also, what's the point of putting there her in the is. Aurora chair? Because, like, there's nothing you can learn. I mean, she's not holding secrets in her head. Right. It's... Like, unless you imagine... I mean, unless Grazer imagined that Scorpius has a spy aboard the ship who is, like, actively sabotaging and she wants to ferret out the spy, but we've had no such indication, have we? <laughs> well, she hasn't. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> but she is a commandant. Yep. You don't get to that position without appropriate paranoia. Okay, final. Have I distracted you enough from... No. Sort of, no? I don't know. Uh, okay. but it's just like it's, there's so much up in the air that uh, like that, that makes no sense to speculate. Okay, we know four people aboard the, the command carrier. Yes. Grazer, the tech woman, the pilot, Hunk, 
and Braca. Yes. And we know that there's a spy on, or Scorpius that says that there's a spy on the command carrier. Right. Or it might just be a random character we haven't you seen. You have it. points. It's, Don't you want to speculate? No. <laughs> it could be one of, it could be either lefty or righty on Grazer, right? Okay. It could. <laughs> what? <laughs> they could be spies. It's not going to be Grazer. They have an excellent view. Not Grazer, well, lefty and righty. Well. <laughs> right, they have on them. No. Okay, fine. You never let me have any fun. <laughs> anyway, John is talking to Scorpius. Yeah. Congratulations. You made it through the day without being shoved out the airlock. Of course, this day is not quite over. Well, like Scorpius's arc throughout this has been earning sort of trust and goodwill and convincing them of his new sort of agenda. Right. That he, you know, just wants to be away from the peacekeepers, but then he still has his spies there. So, you know, I can understand that there's not a lot of trust in that. So it's interesting. He, he presented that his motivation and agenda hasn't changed. He still wants to ensure the defeat of the Scarran Empire. This and is still true. And he literally, he, he literally tells John that, like, he hopes that uh, after the Scarran start attacking him, that John will realize in time that something needs to be done and that he will use his knowledge to help. Because he's tried all the other ways. He tried, like, forcibly extracting it from John's mind. Didn't yeah. work. He tried manipulating and, and, and cajoling John, cooperating, both with Carrot and with Stick, yeah. Also didn't work. And now uh, he's hoping that... Like, and now okay, he doesn't even well, have a command carrier to yeah. use the knowledge. So maybe, hopefully, John will come around to his point of view and yeah, help his knowledge to... Yeah, which yeah. sort of game theoretically... Kind of makes sense. ...is yeah. the best outcome that you have now. No, true, true. Because he does need asylum. Yep. And... I mean, we know that Scorpius is also un- always unambiguous and completely clear in, uh, in yeah, his motivations. Yeah, never, he never has any, like, uh, ulterior motives or anything. And again, it's the boy who cries wolf. He has been honest previously. Like, when he was uh-huh. using the carrot, he was really sincere about making that work. Oh, yes. Uh, and, you Until know. it stopped working and then, like, well, we've got the lovely scene with him standing on the waterfall. Yeah. Yeah. You said you knew where Earth was. Is that true? Do you? I do. Anyone else? No. No one. I purged all records. The knowledge exists. In here. You can use it to get home. Oh, um, you can safely eradicate it by killing me. Again, the choice is yours. So, Chi and Pilot have a little moment. I love this. Yes. We haven't seen her smile this whole season. Oh, this is true, yeah. It is so, so good to see you and Moi again. You know, it, uh... And it feels like coming home. We're equally happy to see everyone, with the exception of the newest arrival. Like she's so happy to be with him. Like she 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 touches him, she presses her forehead against him and Moya, and she's so insistent that, you know, if Sikosa gives you lip, then you just space her, okay? Because yeah. nobody should talk to you like that. Oh, but you all do that. Well, yeah, but we shouldn't. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Yeah. 
it's 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 both confronting and also I I think she appreciates that yes. he has that perspective and she even asks like you want us to leave when he mm. says that Moya and and he have made a decision but no they want the crew to pick a captain just one voice to follow right. instead of all these conflicting which orders great it makes sense so the one thing that I am kind of curious about at this point mm. is like why not ask Moya and Pilot who they would prefer as a captain? Huh. I mean, it's like you said that you want one voice to listen to. Do you have a preference? It's like, would you like it to be one of us? I mean, I guess it kind of, it's, it's a hard question uh. to ask back, but, you know, like especially if they express a preference and then everybody goes like, oh, no, no, it's not going to be Rigel. Yeah, no. It's no, not no, going to no, be no. Rigel. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you Because then you're responsible that. for that. No, I wouldn't yeah, want to like, be responsible for that kind of choice. <laughs> no, thank you. But still, it's like something you might want to consider. It's like, do you have a preference? Which is like something you would like, you know, maybe it's like, yes, like, who would you like not like it to be? Well, that's also a... I think I get it. There are decisions that I very consciously want not to have a voice in. Like, I think that this decision needs to be made. Yeah. But I not think that yeah. well, and also because my participation is going to make the choice worse, right? right. If 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 Moya and and, and Pilot, if they get a vote in this, mm. then I guess it's their fault if they if they pick the wrong fair, one. Fair, fair. Versus, it's much like it's much more of a group effort if their participation in the decision is to accept the outcome rather than to contribute to it. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it, it, it that gels with what we know about Pilots and Moya. Yeah, they are always uh, almost subservient to whomever is commanding them, even if the person who's doing that is a big bad pile of shit. Yeah, they so, do enjoy being of service. Yeah, give some fulfillment. We are most fulfilled when serving others. Your presence is gratifying and comforting. And right. we get the final scene. <laughs> Okay, leather-clad backsides. There we go. How, uh, how many of these scenes start, and it's and it's Aaron approaching John in the command. She's in a black tank top again. Yeah, represent. I am literally wearing a black tank top today. <laughs> Not intended, but that's how it goes. And she's, I mean, there's a lightness about her. She's, she's yes, smiling. Yes, she seems to be very relaxed and, uh, yeah, happy to see John. He is like, I mean, she's being, she's teasing him. She's leading him on. Because he's like, oh, yeah. is there something you'd like to say? And like, oh, well, are you happy? It's like, oh, so it's good to see you back again. And like, he keeps like digging information. And at first it's very lighthearted and playful. But yeah, towards I, the end of the conversation, it's he starts getting more and more insistent, or maybe not insistent, or anxious, I suppose. She doesn't realize the sort of gap between them. Mm. Right, she, she still has this optimistic, almost innocent view of of Crichton, which he sort of plays along with for a bit. Right, like fishing for her to say that she is happy to see him, or that's how it starts. Yeah, yes. that she that she wants to stay, and like she says, "Well, I've got to stay to take care of Scorpius, and like I need to rest and recover." And like, ah, oh, yeah, I need to help you keep an eye on Scorpius. I'm not going to hurt him. I gave you my word. So do you have any other vows of silence that I need to know about? She says, no. Yes. All right. So you could tell me you were pregnant. And then she's like... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so do you think he was... Okay, so I'm a little bit torn about this one. It's like, okay, there's several things. Like, did she know? 
Mm. Did she? Or, I mean, did she know when she left? Did she, uh, has she found out in the meantime? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, is he like you could tell me that if you? What is it? Like, you could tell me that you're pregnant or if you're pregnant. I think the phrase is. So you could tell me you were pregnant. Yeah, that makes it clear, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, no, but I just edited it in. Yeah, right, yes. <laughs> no, I think the phrase is... Uh, uh, so you could tell me you were pregnant. I mean, he clearly knows, and like she, yeah, he's like suddenly it turns out that he's been like offering her the opportunity to come out with it, and now he seems a little bit angry that he had to, he had to be the one to mention it. And uh, also he waits around for her to say yeah. something, because she said, hey, we, I thought we were done with all these promises of silence. yeah. And she won't say anything. Right. And then he leaves her because, yeah. Uh, that's balls in your court. Yeah. You, yeah. Come, you come out with this one. I mean, there could be dozens of reasons for, like, uh, her not telling about it. I mean, she could have lost a child and she didn't want, like, she didn't, if she didn't think he knew. And then, you know, he, she might not have wanted to tell her that. There's, like, you can think of half a dozen reasons of why she hasn't told him yet. It might, yep. not, be, might not be culturally appropriate for Sebastians to tell the prospective father at this oh, point. Yeah. Uh, very you know, good point. Pregnancy yeah. might mean something very different to her as an alien. Yeah. So there's, like, you can think of, like, a, yeah, plenty of reasons. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, like, clearly it's not, yeah. Screenshots of Claudia Black's face in this last shot were poured over by thousands of fans. <laughs> yeah, they so. go, oh, well, I see 83%, like, contentment there, so maybe this oh no god can you imagine what they do these days with sentiment analysis to figure <laughs> out because what what is she feeling there yeah as Crichton walks away she's not crying she's not smiling she's clearly thinking but yes like oh well oh bugger I still now I have to deal with this that like I, I'm seeing a lot of that in there in her expression and that's that this is yeah. the fourth like, now that all these things have been wrapped up, like her assassination pass, the wormholes, <laughs> the pregnancy, and what was it? That's probably going to be another bottle episode next time around. We're just done with all of it, and yeah. we're never going to come uh, and, back and, up again. End of Farscape. Like. <laughs> oh, no, there's tons more Farscape. We're just going to have rollicking adventures, like in season one. <laughs> we'll have Wayne Pygram doing fun outfits. Oh, I mean, that's always good fun to watch. Yeah, I thought it was being cheeky, but then I really want that. And now I'm thinking, like, do we get any more of that? But I'll keep that in the privacy of my own mind. All right. She gives me a woody. She gives you the willies. All right. My willy goes... Aaron's haircut is off limits. You can't... Uh, I wasn't going to say that. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, I do have it as a as as a uh, well. Actually, a I, I have Aaron, I have as a potential really written down like Aaron in the cold suit because that was kind of like creepy and like ooh. that's my Woody. Oh yeah, I, I mean, love that so much. But uh, my, my Willie's going to the the, the, the slug gun thingy because that was just like uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is that is Willie material right I there. Know, right? <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> But yeah, I I really love the sort of cooling suit and I mean not just the visual but also the implication, right? She's mm. she's with Scorpius now because yeah, how else could Scorpius come on board without the protection of Aaron? Yes, totally. I mean, right? Yeah. The 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 ease with which they've previously killed people have come on board. Like they even name dropped Durka, right? Cutting, cutting right. off your head to get rid of a recurring villain. <laughs> yeah, work for Dirk. Yeah. <laughs> so right. what's your Woody going to be? Okay, so, well, one of the candidates is uh, Hard-Ass Chana. 
because I loved Chiana in this episode. Mama Bear Chiana, yeah. Yeah, first, Mama first, Wolf, first at the beginning uh, when she was dealing with uh, Sukozu mm-hmm. uh, and later at the end when she was talking to Pilot. I, lo- I really loved Chiana in the episode. Yeah, uh, it feels like Zan's back, right? But, yes. But I think it's going to have to get to uh, Cocaine oh. Fairy getting bitch slapped by. <laughs> <laughs> getting a face full of her own medicine from Aaron. <laughs> I'm never waking up. That's the last we see of her. I know, right? Like, she's just like, yeah, she's <laughs> <laughs> She can dish it, but she can't take it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so your Woody is going to Aaron in the cold suit. I remember that image so so clearly, like uh, just like just like John as as Scorpius, Jorpius. I think we call him. Just even not not even Scarin, just Aaron in the in the cool suit, just the way yeah. that she that she was. Like she's Scar- even got this. Scarin, that's a good one. Yeah. Even got this. El- thank you. She even got this elongated back of the head because yes. they must have done her hair up in a bun. Of course, to, yeah. So yeah, she has a very pronounced, on. very pronounced uh, back uh, skull shape. Yeah. It is also just. Oh, uh-huh. just breathtaking. <laughs> well, that was actually quite easy. Normally we take more times with the willies and the woodies. <laughs> yeah, pretty easy willies this time around. <laughs> I'm going to grab the old Creatures of Farscape book. Because oh. I think that Ulom is in here, and I'm wondering if maybe we've got some fun behind the scenes. Oh, there's a little bit. Here you go. Oh, oh yes, there is. So there's a, there's a close-up of Ulom and, uh, and Eren, like the two competing sort of costume and animatronic. No, no, that's why I, 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 was, I was going to flip the page and then show it to you, and you tell me if this page is no, off. No, it's, it's, no, no, close no, it, close right, it, close no. it. Very good. Yeah, it was difficult because Ulom came very close to being the favorite because he's it's such a wild shape, right? Eyes way out to the side like Kaaba. Yes, he, he looks a bit like a, uh, well, he's not quite into Illithoid, Illithoid territory. Illithoid. Illithoid. See, it's the uh, Hammerheads from uh, Star Wars uh, with their, no. No, that's not what they're called. Illith- that's not what they're called. I know who you're talking about. Oh, I thought, ooh. well. I have known that. I have done a Star Wars Rebels podcast, and I've known that they actually go to the planet <laughs> oh, of cool. those people. Yeah, that right. weird architecture looked like uh, Amsterdam Grachtenpande. Yeah, have fun spelling oh, that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be Aaron. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Very good. All right. So, and that's the story. Sorry, so far. Yeah. Did we do it right this time? Please uh, join us next week for another episode of Tales of the Uncharted Territories. And after the week after that, it'll be episode 406, Natural Election, in which Moya's encounter with a deadly space plant threatens to engulf her, while more secrets about Aaron's pregnancy surface. Oh, that's oh, no. weird. No, they're, still dr- they're still beating that dead horse. I think they just dealt with this plot line yeah, and they're done right. with it. <laughs> you can find us at SoFarscape on Facebook and Twitter. We absolutely love to hear from, from you all. SoFarscape.com slash links if you want to send us your synopses. Keep them coming. We absolutely adore them. Fanfic suggestions or uh, if you want to join in on our Patreon and help fund the madness that we're propelling through the universe. We love you, love you, love you. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. So, so Farscape, Farscape, so good. So good. <laughs>